my name is Marcy Timmerman. Welcome to the Bell Podcast, a product of Mental Health America of Kentucky. We are supported now by the Department of Behavioral Health, Developmental, and Intellectual Disabilities here in Kentucky. So shout out to them as a, being a primary sponsor of this podcast. Um, that does not mean that they agree with things that we say, though. So just keeping that clear and honest, y'all. I am excited today by our guest, Amanda Hall. She is the campaign director for Dream Corps, which is a national organization. Um, but Amanda is known to many of us in, in the advocacy world because she has been a very vocal advocate for um, justice reform, which we know here in Kentucky is really needed. I'm going to let her go ahead and kind of introduce herself and tell a little bit of her story, if you don't mind, Amanda, and kind of get people familiar with who you are. <laughs> yeah, and thank you again, Marcy, for having me on. This is such an important podcast, so I just am very grateful that I get to be a guest. Uh, so again, my name's Amanda Hall. I'm the campaign director uh, for a national organization called Dream for Justice. Uh, we work on the national level and in different states on criminal justice reform. Specifically, our slogan is uh, closing prison doors, opening doors to opportunity. So how to make communities safer by more resources, giving folks the the things that they need uh, to actually be proactive to prevent crime, to prevent recidivism. So yeah, a little about me. Uh, though I work at that organization, I am from Kentucky, still live here out in eastern Kentucky, in Louisa to be exact. Uh, it's my home, my love, Kentucky uh, means so much to me. In my childhood, Unfortunately, uh, mental health and incarceration, uh, those two things in tandem existed for probably as long as I can remember. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my mother had been through a lot. She was a survivor of domestic violence. She also suffered from uh, mental health issues and uh, she turned to uh, chemicals, to substances to deal with that trauma. Uh, so what, what that led to was her being incarcerated, CPS and other child protective entities being in and out of my life. I grew up in low-income housing apartments and um, spent some time, you know, long periods of time with family members. And I remember how much I loved my mother and still love my mother. She was a great woman, you know, Eastern Kentucky through and through that grit and that, um, you know, she was going to do whatever it took to provide. But I remember when I was in second grade, when she was arrested, I went to school and my teacher had a newspaper and it had my mother's picture on it. I just remember being so embarrassed and at the same time, angry, mm -hmm. like you don't know her like I know her. Like, how could you, she's not this bad person. But I remember I also withdrew at that point. You know, before that, I was like the little girl that always raised her hand in class. I was voted most likely to succeed. And just a little part of me, it, it just changed so much. So I think that uh, so much trauma um, also for our children in K Kentucky in particular, you know, we're in the top 10 for kids that have a parent incarcerated. Yeah. I think that's something that we don't talk about and how that 
impacts their mental health. As I grew older, I, you know, suffered from severe anxiety and would have panic attacks and other things going on. I started to try drugs and alcohol, eventually received a prescription from a doctor. Then, you know, I started cycling in and out of jail. I did that for years. The first time I was arrested, I was 16. I actually got sent to school though. I didn't have to go to a facility, which I truly think if you look at the data, Kentucky kids, black kids in particularly, their story doesn't turn out that way. So I didn't get in that system very early on, but at 18, I started, started going to jail, ended up in prison. And years later, now I do this work. And it's part of why you do the work is because you see all this now a lot more clearly, I would think. So mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. like you're looking back with a lot more grace than a lot of folks are able to tell that kind of story. So I appreciate that a lot. Your own personal growth is quite obvious and, and the fire for the change that you're wanting to affect has never dulled the whole time I've known you. So it's good to know you and I'm glad to have you on the podcast and thanks for sharing your story with us. I know it's not always an easy thing to do. So we really appreciate it when folks are able to do that. So randomly, are you a peer specialist? I never asked if you were ever trained as one. You know, I was. Uh, you might have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I was like, you've got some of that. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast who don't know what a peer specialist is, as someone who uses their lived experience to help others. And honestly, Amanda is like peer specialist times 20 and add advocacy on it <laughs> to a bigger level. But um, it is a profession. A lot of folks haven't heard of, um, and but Mental Health America definitely talks about it a lot. And we at MHA Kentucky are, are trying to do better with Uh, advocating and educating folks on what peer support specialists do, which is that basic, you know, someone who's been there, walk the walk, has some lived experience with what you've got. And just the power of hearing that and seeing that, um, I think a lot of folks misunderstand the magic that happens when you feel understood and seen. And when someone can put words to what you've been feeling, because they've had it too, and they've thought about it. Um, and I honestly think that that is part of what we need to see more of to, to get folks when they are in prison or jail, you know, we need more of a, a hands-on approach to helping people <laughs> and they need to be able to walk the walk, talk the talk that they've talked before, right? Like we can't, we don't pull people away from their culture. You talk about your mom being an Eastern Kentucky woman. And I, I hear that and I'm like, I know exactly what you meant. Right. And, and I'm not sure that a lot of folks outside of Kentucky would get that. Right. And our podcast does reach some. So I want to be clear that, you know, there's just a personality and a culture that comes with it, especially around Louisa, because I know several people from Louisa. Y'all have a special thing going on down there. It's awesome. Um, but, you know, it's just a thing. And I can't explain it. Right. Like you said, it's great. It's just a whole package of personality. And having someone else who gets that off the, you know, to be able to talk to you about like, Hey, you've got this, you can do this. Your mom did this. And you know, your roots are here, right? Like that makes a big difference uh, rather than someone like me coming in from Ohio and being all Yankee on y'all. So (laughs) um, just wanted to talk about that just briefly, but we are here to talk about um, actually a month that um, was why I asked me to talk to us today. Second chance month is April. um, And I was like, tell me more. And then I was like, just come on my podcast and tell me about it. So second chance month though, uh, in brief is a justice reform movement, right? So uh, can you talk a little bit about what it is and kind of how you're involved and what we can help do to help? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I cut my story off. And then I went to prison. (laughs) 
but that's not where it ended because no one is the worst thing that they've done. We are so much more, uh, we're such a collection of things and life experiences. Second Chance Month is all about that. It's um, having that empathy, not only empathy, but action to present to folks that have been involved in the criminal legal system. One out of three people have been arrested. One out of three. That's like astronomical. Um, And today there's 2 million people in America that are incarcerated and 4 million on probation and parole. And then you just think about the enormous amount of people that have been formerly incarcerated. So yeah, second chance month, President Biden just signed, you know, the proclamation yesterday, the day before, uh, presidents before him had to, uh, this is really a, a month where a lot of unlikely allies come together to talk about ways to providing second chances to removing barriers and obstacles to folks that have been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So when I was in prison, I went into prison. I already had a lot of mental health issues. I had a substance use disorder, which had never been treated. All of those times I went to jail and like I grew up in jail and never never was that presented, like never did I know I had an option. And then while incarcerated, there was a correctional officer that committed more than a dozen um, instances of uh, sexual assault on women within my prison. So I think too, that's something maybe we don't look at is that jail and prison in and of itself is traumatizing. Like the things that happen in there. For the mental health community to be, to have me on a podcast to talk about Second Chance Month, that means so much to me because us folks who are formerly incarcerated have dealt with so much of that. So I just love that you are stepping in there. So yeah, Second Chance Month, we just got done with my organization, which is Dream for Justice, uh, doing our National Day of Empathy and our a week of impact. So we had 20 events in 20 different states led by folks that have been directly impacted by the criminal legal system. We actually got to have one here in Kentucky, around 100 people came to the rotunda. We had legislators from both sides of the aisle. Uh, we had our allies there and folks were able to hear stories from directly impacted Kentuckians, um, ways that they've changed their lives and to celebrate folks that are supporting second chances. The day before yesterday at our national event, we were able to have, you know, Representative Mace in Congress, who is Republican, and and, um, Representative Ayanna Presley, who is a Democrat, speak at the, you know, speak at the event. And, you know, our founder, Van Jones, directly impacted people uh, from all around the country. Uh, And that was such a theme. We had the U.S. Chamber, the National Chamber show up and other employers, because we know now we have to provide folks with second chances. If folks care about community safety, if folks care about keeping families together. If folks care about a good economy, that's the thing. Any of those things, then you have to care about second chances. 
And there are literally thousands of collateral consequences. Folks can't get housing, employment, even life insurance. So second chance month is about raising those up and also challenging our neighbors to get involved and support those folks uh, that have been formerly incarcerated. And what a cool thing, you know, and in mental health, we talk about recovery being a journey, right? And I feel like some people, when they enter recovery, they see a before and an after. And I honestly, for even those who have not been in the criminal justice system, they have a before and after in their life that they can relate to this, I think, you know, and our folks in general recovery, um, whether you were able to work and hold your, you know, be at home and avoid criminalization for your substance use or not, right, there's a before and after you entered recovery. Uh, and that's a second chance of sorts, right? And treatment is always a second chance. And I really see mental health treatment as a whole as a second chance. So access to treatment is really a big piece of our our policy here um, nationally and in at MHA Kentucky, thankfully, um, we were able to adopt pretty much the entire thing at national about how we connect these dots. For our audience, most of you will already know this, but um, the majority of folks with uh, mental illnesses, whether they're severe mental illness or not, end up in jail or prison at some point in their lives. Jails and prisons overwhelmingly have people in them who have a substance use disorder, like Amanda, they don't get treatment a lot of times while they're in and out. And maybe they shouldn't because they probably should be sent to treatment, not jail, right? A lot of folks with substance use, especially we find community-based treatment is much more effective. And in the community you come from, because I'm guessing, Amanda, you didn't get treatment right in your backyard because it's not available there. So spreading that treatment quality across this, the state is a real big issue for us. Uh, it's something that we want to keep doing, but not just substance use, right? Because there's a lot of money in substance use right now in Kentucky. There's a lot of federal money pouring in and those are good things. And substance use is definitely something we uh, support and want to address. But underlying causes of substance use tend to be trauma, mental health issues, family genetic cycles that need to be broken, you know, those kinds of things, even if they're not illnesses per se, they're things that need to be worked out with therapy. And a lot of times we hear about these dual diagnoses and no one's taking care of those either, right? A lot of substance use programs only treat substance use. They don't deal with the issues that underlie the treatment. Uh, and that's a criticism they're completely used to hearing from me. So <laughs> that won't be news to any of them listening to the podcast. They know dual, and they'll tell me, Dual diagnosis isn't covered. I can't cover the, co the cost of my mental health. So I feel like that's something that is appropriate to bring up on this. I hope it was, Amanda. To, that is a second chance, right? A treatment plan is a second chance. Not holding people's felonies for using opiates against them. And employment, right, is a second chance. So holding on to these employer ideas that we can employ people who have a criminal history. We might wanna do it carefully, you know, and supportively, maybe we need a supportive employment plan, right, in place, but we can do it, right, and we can do it responsibly, and I think a lot of folks don't know that, that's a radical concept still, and I don't know how, because we've been saying it for 40 years, you know, 40 or longer, <laughs> uh, I've been saying it almost 40 years, and I'm only 40, so there you go, uh, but MHA has had that in our, in our system as an important point, and I just want to make sure that people were clear on that, so. I really appreciate Second Chance Month. I, I'm sad I didn't make it to Day of Empathy. I was planning to be there that day. It was spring break, um, but I saw all the events online. I will make sure that those are in the show notes, folks, so that you can see who was honored here in Kentucky for their work. 
There are definitely some great legislators here on all sides of the aisle. I'm not even going to say it's two because these days it feels like there's seven or eight sides <laughs> to every issue. But um, we have some folks who are really dedicated to really helping um, to reducing sentencing when it doesn't make sense to stay inside to reconnecting families, to keeping families connected. Sometimes jail and prison might be the right place, right? Sometimes, <laughs> but we can connect our loved ones still and stay involved and keep people knowing they're loved. And I think that's a huge piece of, of the criminal justice space that doesn't get brought to light much or is absent altogether. Is that fair? No, I mean, that's, that's completely fair. And when you when you talk about the families, earlier I mentioned the number of kids that have a parent that's incarcerated and with my story and, and, and what my babies went through, I see that as part of second chances too, is making sure that those families have mental health services. Right. I couldn't have imagined what it would have meant to me for somebody to talk to me about my mother's incarceration for someone to, that would have meant so much and, and that doesn't happen. So I loved how the way you took second chance month and, and made it even larger. And that's like, that's an, that's another example, how important this, this month is, uh, and how all hands, all hands on deck, you know, I see second chances too, when, when folks are released from jail or prison to make sure that they have like a caseworker. I've seen people get out with, with nothing, you know, in a gray sweatsuit and some papers. And, and what do you do now? There's some people that's been incarcerated 20, 30 years and really need, like that is such severe trauma and need a mental health provider, someone, a community, someone uh, to be with them, to meet with them and talk with them. So that's something. And Marcy, you were, I think uh, you were part of that conversation long ago when, when COVID hit, we, we made a statewide reentry group here in Kentucky, uh, a group of formerly incarcerated Kentuckians and allies put together recommendations that the Courier Journal published. And one of them was that having you know, someone with these folks to link them with mental health services, um, you know, because so often if you miss that piece, what happens is, is folks end up right back where they were. That's, that's why we call it all the time. You know, it's, it's incarcerations, a vicious cycle. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a little piece of that, but I definitely wasn't in the, the thick of things, but I'm definitely learning and listening and, and amplifying the right messages. Cause I think that's true. Um, I really do believe, especially that family piece, uh, you know, our school mental health providers, they're talking about them all the time. They never want to fund them at the state level. Um, and honestly, we have to, right? If we want to stop the cycles, if you had had a social worker in school that your teacher could have referred you to, how much different would your life have been at second grade, right? How would have an intervention helped my son's in second grade. So I'm just like, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. He needs, you know, he has issues and we talk about them with his permission. He has issues that we're already like, okay, teacher, we need to talk. Like, let's talk to the therapist and the teacher and my son and get these big feelings figured out and identified. I can't imagine the big feelings you were feeling in second grade because, you know, he's in a very privileged little life right now. So I'm just like, wow, I can't imagine. Um, and that intervention is crucial. And it could have come from your teacher, it could have come from other people. And I think sometimes we forget that compassion for one another 
is also a piece of this, right? Uh, reminding ourselves to have compassion for friends. It's easy to get into black and white thinking, which is one of those thinking traps, y'all, who have been listening to all of those podcasts of ours. You know, thinking traps is something we talk about. And I think black and white thinking is really popular when it comes to, oh, they're a criminal, black and white. Like they're a criminal, they stop being a human. We stop talking about the reality that we all could be criminals. You know, I could have easily stolen food to survive at certain times in my life. Um, I've been nearly homeless before. So, you know, and anyone could have been, right? We're all a couple of steps away. As David Allgood says, we're all temporarily abled. And then we're also temporarily housed and temporarily functional. Um, and maybe some of you who are listening aren't either housed or functional. So I want to acknowledge that too, right? We do have a lot of listeners who are in shelters and other places. So, um, but y'all are in the process of recovery you know, wherever you are in your journey, hopefully you get your second chance and let's hope and keep our minds open to second chances overall. I think that's really important. And I really appreciate your work, Amanda, to highlight that as well. Um, I do want to bring up a couple of resources for folks. We will link to Second Chance Month resources on the show notes as well. But also Kentucky and a Health Collaborative has this really cool guide for employers to use who are trying to hire folks who have a history. Mostly there's is that substance use, but honestly, I've looked at the manual. It really helps with just a lot of things with the criminal history, like understanding, myth busting, stigma busting, all of those things. So we'll link to that guide because I really find it very useful for a lot of types of employers, not just the Ford and GE types that it was written for. So originally that was who they had in mind when they were writing it. But I think it's a really good guide to that second chance employment because we are not going to be mentally healthy. If we don't have food, stable housing, stable purpose in life, which can be a job, doesn't have to be one but it can and probably should be, especially to help provide those first things. So, and healthcare, right? Healthcare access. Anyone thing you want to make sure that we talk about, Amanda, that we haven't addressed yet though. So I want to make sure we've covered everything. I think with second chance month, it's about that empathy, but also putting it into action, uh, especially folks, you know, that are politically minded or ever want to get involved in that on the local or state level um, work in your city you know on the local level you could look at housing uh, places where folks with felony conviction aren't able to be housed and in Louisville they passed a great ordinance to you know really make headway on discrimination in housing though there are some exceptions it does open it up for a lot of folks um, who have had convictions to at least have that opportunity. Uh, you know, on the state level, we're constantly working on uh, re-entry legislation as well as legislations to divert folks out of the system altogether and into mental health uh, services and other services, you know, expungement in Kentucky, we can definitely improve. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you talked about black and white, you know, to have that felony on your record is just, I couldn't go on field trips with my kids. I was turned down for jobs repeatedly. I couldn't find housing. And, and finally I found a place that was very much overcharging me rent because they knew they could where else was I going to go 
and lived in a room the size of a closet, you know, the size of, of my holding cell in jail. I've been turned down for life insurance, credit cards, uh, you know, so when you look at all these barriers and obstacles, get involved in your state legislature, watch those bills, see when bills are moving to improve uh, reentry and advocate. You know, that that's something that's that's so important and, and something that could help just, I guess, for second chance month, um, what I would really want folks to do is to reflect internally, to have conversations with your family about those folks that have been involved in the criminal legal system, what redemption means and that it's real because a lot of people don't believe that. And I've lived it and so many other folks have too. So just really do that internal work and then turn that outward and, and, and just help us make Kentucky and the rest of the nation a better place for folks like me and my family. Couldn't have summed it up better. We'll definitely keep folks um, up to date on uh, justice moving bills. We're planning to have a bill tracker for next year that has it very clear where we stand on some of those bills, which will be great. Things like our ID bill, you know, folks who get kicked out with sweats and paperwork don't have an ID, so they can't even get a freaking Lyft or Uber, friends. So we call them, you know, we say it's a criminal justice reform and all of this, or the criminal justice system, and we call it, talk about reforming people, and then we literally kick them to the curb. And that's not how we treat humans. And that's not mentally healthy. And it's not how we get mentally healthy. And it's honestly not mentally healthy for our communities and our, and our state. It's not. We're a much better state mentally healthy if we have a basis of forgiveness, understanding redemption, right? And forgiveness is not forgetting, right? Like we can go on a whole nother podcast about that. But, you know, there's a forgiveness process. And yeah, that empathy piece is really important. And, and where we start from, but it's definitely not where we end. And it's not where MHA will end their, their relationship with DreamCore. We really appreciate you all being here and, and Amanda specifically all of your work because you've been in so many different roles to really make mm-hmm. things better everywhere you go. So mm-hmm. I expect great things. No. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I would love if folks want yeah. to know more about DreamCore, keep up yeah. with what we're working on. Uh, so much of our, our work is led by directly impacted uh, folks. So people that have been in the system themselves or family members, um, please visit uh, thedreamcore.org. I'll make sure you have that link um, yep. and sign up for our empathy network. Uh, you know, just keep, keep up with that. And you are absolutely welcomed into that community. Well, thanks so much. And we love peer-led communities around here. So can't argue with one of those. It's nice to partner with one on so many initiatives and we're all better together, right? That's really the big piece that we're trying to talk about here. So many folks are impacted when someone gets arrested and it's just, we, we forget that. I think at the state, when we look at it in black and white thinking, we have to look at it in the gray areas and the web that we all build around us, right? We all have relationships whether we feel like we do or not some days, right? Some days you wouldn't have cared that you had relationships, but I imagine that's still, you still did, right? People still care about you. Um, so, and we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And y'all check out this show notes for all the cool stuff and all the links that we have. <laughs>